Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our Sunday morning Bible class. Great to be with all of our listeners again today. We're thankful to have this opportunity and ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We know there are people who want to be in God's Word who cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ here in Omaha, Nebraska. We're thankful to be able to, again, reach you and be able to help you learn more from God's Word through these podcasts. We know there are people even in the Omaha area who are not able to be with us physically because of one reason or another, maybe health conflicts or uh, physical handicaps of one kind or another, or scheduling problems. We know there are people in other parts of the country and around the world who want to learn from God's Word, but they're in other parts of the country or in other, wor- uh, other countries around the world. Well, can't be with us in person. We're glad to be able to be with you in this way and be able to get in, into God's Word through these podcast Bible studies. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, do come and check us out. Our Bible classes begin at at 9.30 on Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening, we come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for another period of worship and Bible study. And again, on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 each Wednesday evening, we gather together for midweek Bible classes. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. 3606 108th Street, right here in Omaha. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, literally with everybody you can. You might help somebody turn their life around and ultimately get into heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. And you know people who need to grow in their faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, tell them. Take advantage of this yourself, this opportunity, but tell everyone you know to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email, uh, click on the uh, podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. And when you do, you will receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone or computer or tablet or laptop or whatever you choose, you'll receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. Also, you will receive a short Bible study every day we call today's Bible class, seven days a week, only about 13 minutes, each day, but it keeps us in God's Word every day, and that really helps us, again, to stay strong in our faith and to focus on our relationship with God and upon our soul's salvation. So take advantage of this, and again, tell everybody else you you know to do the same. Uh, Our country, this world, humanity needs to come back to God. Help people to do so in this way. Now, we want to continue our study from the book of Deuteronomy. We are coming toward the end of this study of the first five books of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch. And we understand, again, that Moses wrote 
pretty much all of this. He was the penman. God guided him through the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote, but he was the penman. And almost all of it, we recognize Moses as, as being the penman, uh, the writer of it. But God, again, guiding him to write what he wrote so that he wrote the very word of God. Now, once again, the book of Deuteronomy finds the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, before they had actually become a nation with a geographic identity and boundary, they have been led out of Egyptian bondage by Moses, by God through Moses. They have been wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years, and now God has brought them through Moses to the eastern bank of the Jordan River. They're ready to cross over. And when they cross over, they're going to begin a series of battles to take that land from those occupants who are there already. Those were idol worshipers. And so God is going to give them this land. And he promised them this land going all the way back to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years before. Well, so he's going to give them this land. But those occupants who are there, who are not faithful to God, they were idol worshipers. God is going to give them victory after victory after victory in the battles of conquest of that land. In fact, he has told the people of Israel, before they cross this Jordan River, before they begin those battles of conquest, he has told them, you don't have anything to do with those folks who are living there right now. You either destroy them in battle or drive them out of that, of that land because they're idol worshipers. Do not enter into relationships with them and especially do not enter into intermarriages with them because in those intimate relationships or those less intimate relationships, they're going to have some influence over you, and they're going to lead you into the worship of idols yourselves, and that's going to bring destruction upon you. It's going to bring my judgment upon you. So Moses is rehearsing for them as they're sitting on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, ready to cross, ready to begin the conquest of the land that God had promised to them. Moses is reminding them of their history. And in that history, he, he, he foretells, now, again, what God has warned. Don't have anything to do with the worship of idols. Don't let any of those people who are living in that land right now stay there in that land. Again, they'll become a thorn in your side. They become an influence upon you, and if you go into the worship of idols yourselves, then God is going to bring judgment, severe judgment upon you. Yeah. So Moses is rehearsing this history. Now, I want us to begin with chapter 31 and verse 1. We're at the point where Moses is getting the people ready for his departure, his death, physical death. He has been their physical leader for 40 years. We might even say longer than that because he went uh, into Egypt and presented God's instructions to, to Pharaoh who, under whose governorship and under whose uh, subjection the people of Israel were living in that land at that time, and Pharaoh had basically made slaves of them. But Moses had gone into Egypt, and he had confronted Pharaoh with God's demand, let my people go. Let my people go into the wilderness that they may worship me. 
and we under, we read through all those plagues that God brought upon Egypt as a result of Pharaoh's refusal to let them go, and ultimately he did let them go. But then he changed his mind and pursued them with his army of chariots, and as God led the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground, as the pursuing Egyptian army f- pursued them, God closed those waters upon them and destroyed them. And so Moses was there with them for actually longer than 40 years, but uh, 40 years is kind of the round number we can look at. Beginning with verse 1 of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in, and the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Now, Moses, 120 years old, imagine that, and he's been leading these people for the last 40 years, and so 80 when that wilderness journey, he was 80 years old when he undertook that wilderness journey with the Israelites and led them for that period of 40 years through the wilderness and up to this point of being ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, the land of Canaan, which would become when they, when they conquered it, the land of Israel. So he says, I'm 120 years old. I'm no longer able to go out and come in. In other words, I'm getting too old. And uh, he says, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. Now, why would God tell Moses, he leads the Israelites right up to the border of the promised land. God has guided him to lead the people to that point and to that land and into that land, basically. Why would he tell Moses, you can't go over the Jordan? You can't, you can't cross into the land yourself. Well, because going back a number of years, Moses had, in essence, rebelled against God. Now, rebelled against God in disbelief of God? No. Did he declare himself to be a disbeliever in the Lord? Absolutely not. He rebelled against God in the sense that he took glory for himself that should have been given to God. And God told him at that point, uh, you're not going to cross into this land. When we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 27, Deuteronomy chapter 27, I want to read verses 12 through 14. Now the Lord said to Moses, go up into this Mount Abiram and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. Okay, so they're getting close. They're virtually on the border at this point in Numbers 27. He says, go up on this particular mountain, Mount Abiram, and see the land which I have given to the children of Israel. It's interesting that God speaks there in the past tense, which I have given to the children of Israel, as though he had already given it to them. Now, they still had not entered that land. They still had not fought those battles of conquest, but it was a certainty that it would happen. And so it's as though he had already given them the land in actuality. When God says, I'm going to give you something, even before you receive it, it's a done deal. And so he tells Moses, go up in this mountain, look over, look out into the land that I have promised these people, the Israelites. And when you have seen it, 
You also shall be gathered to your people, as Aaron, your brother, was gathered. For in the wilderness of Zin, during the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. These are the waters of Merabah and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Well, so God is reminding Moses at this point, uh, you're not going to cross over the Jordan yourself. You're going to lead the people up to that Jordan River, up to that boundary, but you will not be allowed to go into that promised land yourself. You have spent these 40 years leading the people by my instruction to that promised land, but you shall not receive one foot of it yourself. Well, again, he, he reminds Moses here in Numbers chapter 27, remember back there in the wilderness of Zin? During the strife of the congregation, you rebelled against my command to hallow me at the waters before their eyes. You took glory for yourself instead of giving it to me. Well, let's go back to Numbers uh, Numbers chapter 20. And we begin reading with verse 7. Now, how did God provide for the people of Israel during those 40 years in the wilderness? They weren't planting crops. How did he provide for them? He provided for them miraculously. Every morning for six days out of the week, he would provide miraculously a food that was called manna. It would be on the, basically on the surface of the ground uh, or the plants that grew up from it. And they would gather that and it would, be, it would provide a food for them. They could apparently bake it and it would be food. He would bring quail into the camp for meat, and that would be miraculous again. And there were places where, when there was no water, he would provide water for them miraculously. Well, on one such occasion in chapter 20 of Numbers, we go back there, beginning with verse 7, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, the rod that God you know, through which God was blessing Moses with with some power, but the power was from God. Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So God tells Moses, again, take that rod Speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. So there was probably a, a hillside or a mountainside or a cliff of some kind. And whatever it was, there was a rocky surface there, and God said to Moses, you speak to that rock, and I will bring forth the water. Water for the whole congregation. Now you're talking about a massive amount of people, probably one to three million people strong. And he says, I'll provide water for them. Do what I tell you, speak to the rock. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together, gathered all the people together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels, must we bring bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Oh, 
Moses disobeyed God. He rebelled against his commandment, his instruction. God told Moses here to speak to the rock, and God would bring the water forth. Moses, in verse 10, he acts like, well, here and Aaron both, acted like they were the ones bringing the water out of the rock. And so, you know, they said, here you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock with the rod twice. Now, God brought forth the water. But in response to Moses' self-glorification, and that of Aaron as well, God pronounced judgment upon both. In verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me, in other words, to give glory to me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given to them. Hmm. In other words, you're not going to enter the promised land yourself. Now, as we look again, we, as we began in, in, and, and throughout this book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses is right there at the border. Just cross that Jordan River, and there's the promised land. But uh, God has said, uh, you're not going to enter. Neither is your brother Aaron. Now, Aaron has already died by the time we get to the book of Deuteronomy, but Moses is still alive. He's still leading the people. He's got them right there. But now, when we, as we noted, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, Moses says, uh, I'm 120 years old now, I'm getting old, and uh, so he's telling the people, uh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's interesting that previous to this incident in Numbers chapter 20, when God told Moses to speak to the rock, previous to that, Moses had been told on a different occasion, in a different location, to strike the rock, and God would bring forth the water. And Moses obeyed, and he did exactly that. He struck, the, he struck the rock, and the water came forth. But this time, he was told to speak to the rock. And instead, he took the glory for himself and for Aaron. Aaron took the glory as well for himself. And so Moses you know, spoke and said to the people, hey, should we bring forth water to you? And he struck the rock again instead of speaking to the rock. You see... However God instructs us, that is what we're supposed to do. On the first occasion, Moses was told to speak to the rock, or rather to strike the rock. God brought forth the water. On the second occasion, God told him, speak to the rock. But instead, Moses struck the rock and spoke words that would indicate that it was he and Aaron who were bringing forth the water. And so God brought judgment upon both and said, uh, because you took glory for yourself, did not give the glory to me. I'm the one providing the water, not you. Because you took the glory for yourself and did not give it to me, you're not going to enter the promised land. And so Moses knows at this point in Deuteronomy chapter 31, he tells the people, I'm 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. 
And the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. So God's keeping his word, and Moses understands. There's no indication that he's rebellious at this point uh, or mad at God. He understands what he did. He sinned before God. He disobeyed God's commandment first to speak to the rock instead of striking it. But in addition to that, Moses took glory for himself, and so did Aaron. And God said, uh, not gonna, you're not going to enter the land yourself. Aaron's already dead. He died in the wilderness. Moses will be taken by God. He'll die. God will not let the people know where he buries Moses, but Moses shall not enter the promised land. Now, verse 3, then the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. And now this is Moses telling the people, okay, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. I'm not going to lead you across the Jordan. I'm not going to lead you into the promised land. The Lord's going to lead you. He will deliver, he will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. Now, even if Moses had been allowed to cross the Jordan and lead the people across that boundary into the promised land, it would be God who would still be leading them. But now Moses is not allowed to cross because of his sin, and so Joshua becomes their leader. But even though Joshua is the one leading them across, it's still God through Joshua leading them. And it's God who's going to give them the victories over the inhabitants of that land. So, Verse 4 again, the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So Moses is reassuring the people. I'm not going to go before you. I'm 120 years old. It's time for me to leave. It's time for me to die. Uh, Joshua is going to take the lead, but it is really God who is going to lead you. And it is God who is going to give you the victories. Now, you're going to have to be in the battlefields yourself, but God's going to give you the victories over the inhabitants of that land. He is the one giving you that land. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So Moses assures, we might say reassures Joshua, you're going to be the one the human leading the people across the Jordan River and into the promised land, and through those battles they will fight. But it is God, it is God who walks with you. He is the one who goes before you. He is the one really leading you to lead the people. And we could summarize or, or make the further application, just as he is the one who led me to lead the people through the wilderness for the last 40 years. 
We're going to stop there and pick up next time with verse 9. And Moses is pretty much signing out at this point. And uh, the people are ready to cross the Jordan into the promised land to which Moses has been leading them for the last 40 years. Joshua, remember, is one of two spies who stayed strong in their faithfulness and in their two in their faith in God when Moses first led the people to the southern boundary of the promised land. Sent 12 spies in to spy out the land, check it out, and 10 of the spies came back and said, we can't take that land. <laughs> Those people are too strong for us. Those cities are huge and fortified strongly. We can't do it. We can't fight those battles. We can't win. Well, again, it was not they who were going to really defeat those inhabitants of that land. It would be God who would give them the victories over those inhabitants. But they were weak in their faith. Only Joshua and Caleb, two out of the 12, said, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. We can do it. They were exhibiting their faith in God to give them the victories. We can go. We're well able to do it. They understood. They were not relying upon their own strength by, in and of itself, by itself. They were relying upon God's strength and God's power to give them the victory, even over enemies which might have looked like, from a human perspective, too powerful for them to overcome. Joshua and Caleb, now we can do it. We're well able to take that land. God's going to give us the victory. Well, the people followed the ten, the 10 spies who gave the negative report rather than Joshua and Caleb who gave the positive report. And so as a result of the people's weak faith, God told Moses, turn back into the wilderness, lead this people until the entire adult generations from 20 years and up dies off. I will raise up their children and lead them into the promised land. So that's where we are right now. Joshua is going to lead them by God's leading into the promised land, and God will give them the victories. We'll stop. Let's pray. Father, you are all-powerful. Help us to recognize that not just in our minds, but help us to put it into practice in our lives, trusting you to take care of us and give us the victories and give us the blessings and the deliverance that we need. You are all-powerful. You are our God. You are the only God. And we do praise you and give you the glory and the honor and the thanks. Please guide us in your will. And please always walk with us and before us and guide us to walk with you in faithful obedience. Always, we pray, Father. And we look forward to your deliverance of us into your heavenly city for all of eternity. Thank you, Father. And please, Father, at this time, forgive us. Please, for our prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. <music>